Welcome to Stay the Nation, guys. We've got a special episode for you talking about the Polygon NFT ecosystem. Okay, our panelists today tell us that this is the third largest ecosystem for NFTs in crypto and one worth paying attention to. David, who do we have on? What are we going to cover today? First and foremost, we got Frank D. Gods from the D. Gods Project, which is an NFT project spawned on Solana, currently migrating to Polygon. So we will talk about some of those decisions and why they decided to move over to Polygon in this day and age. Uh, and then second, we got Z, the co-founder and COO of Magic Eden, which is an NFT marketplace also on Solana, and recently migrated to Polygon. So we'll, and we have two perspectives like this. Last up, we got Stani Kulikov, who is the founder and CEO of the Ave Companies, which is bootstrapping Lens, a social media ecosystem on top of Polygon, where your profile is an NFT, your content is an NFT, lots of surface area for NFTs. And so just to recap the projects, we got D-Gods, which is a PFP NFT project that is in process of migrating to Polygon. We have Magic Eden, which is an NFT marketplace that is also recently migrated to Polygon. And then we got Lens, which is a social media platform where your profile is an NFT, all the content that you make is an NFT, your trend, your interactions or transactions on Polygon. And so we're going to ask all of these uh, participants on the Polygon ecosystem, why Polygon? What about Polygon brought them there? What about Polygon is, is unique and different? Is Polygon really the third largest NFT ecosystem after Solana? Uh, so these are some of my questions. What, what do you want to know in this in this interview, Ryan? Yeah, I think I have those same questions. And particularly for these two projects, um, let, let's uh, remember Magic Eden and D-Gods both migrated. They're the massive projects in Solana, huge successes, mm -hmm. and they are migrating and moving to uh, Polygon. And I shouldn't say full migration because they're continuing to support Solana, mm -hmm. but at least um, the D-Gods Utes project is doing a full migration over to Polygon. So the question is, why? Mm -hmm. uh, is there something, are there greener pastures over on the Polygon side? What are the cultural differences between these projects? That's a big topic today as well. One disclosure before we get in, I am an advisor on the Polygon project. I have material exposure to the Matic token. David is not an advisor, but he also owns some Matic. And Polygon has also been a sponsor of the Bankless podcast in the past. We take disclosure seriously at Bankless. We think everyone in crypto should. And so that's why we, we are mentioning these at the top of the show. You can always find our disclosures at bankless.com slash disclosures for more info on that. We update that monthly. All right, we're going to get right into the episode. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this possible, including... Welcome back, Bankless Nation, to our NFT ecosystem on Polygon Show. In the top left corner, we got Frank D. Gods from the D. Gods Project, which is an NFT project, recently migrated to Polygon. Uh, well, it seems like D. Gods might be his last name. It's not, but it might as well be. Frank, welcome to the show. Yo, yo. Super excited. And then in the bottom left corner, we got Z, the co-founder and COO of Magic Eden, an NFT marketplace, also on Polygon. Z, welcome to the show. Yo, what's up, fellas? Thanks for having me. And last but definitely not least, in the top right corner, we got Stani Kulikov, founder and CEO of the Ave Companies, which is bootstrapping Lens, a social media ecosystem on top of Polygon. Stani, welcome back to Bankless for like the fifth or sixth time, however time number of times <laughs> it's been. It's good to see you again, Stani. GM, GM, happy to be back again. So we really want to take this opportunity to really explore why your guys's projects chose polygon how has that experience been what is the nft ecosystem like on polygon and really just get a snapshot a flavor of the polygon nft ecosystem so we'll start with that that very basic question why polygon 
uh, and we'll go in the order that I introduce you guys in. So Frank, we'll start with you. Why did why did uh, the D Gods uh, project choose Polygon of all of all chains to to pick? I think that there's like a clear traction with uh, consumers on Polygon, and so it's something that we're just excited about being an NFT project. I always, and I might be more controversial in this take, but I just look at all the blockchains as different databases with, uh, you know, different trade-offs. And so for an NFT project, right, like being associated with a lot of really cool brands, a lot of really smart builders, um, that, that just excited us. And I'm sure I'll get more into details there, but at a high level, like keep it simple, stupid, like it's a kind of a no-brainer in 2023 to be launching on Polygon. And we're going to take a moment to dive into each of your guys' respective projects and the details behind each one of these. But uh, Frank and, and Z from D-Gods and, and Magic Eden, previously were both projects on Solana. Uh, and so we have some diverse perspectives to bring to this conversation. Uh, Frank, when did D-Gods come to Polygon? Yeah, so to clarify, D-Gods are going to mainnet ETH. We have two projects. Mm -hmm. uh, Utes is our second project, and that's the one that's going to Polygon. So we have announced that we're migrating in Q1. So we're looking at around end of Q1 for the actual migration and you know working on some pretty cool tech to to do it in a unique way that hasn't been done before. Um so yeah and like around end of Q1 is what we're looking at. Beautiful for the beautiful actual migration. Yeah. And Z, uh question to you and, and Magic Eden. When when was it decided that Magic Eden would uh onboard Solon uh, excuse me uh, the Polygon network and and why Polygon of all chains? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah for sure. Um, Frank, I was expecting some spicier takes from you to kick off, man. Come on. <laughs> oh, I'll get into it. I'm learning. You know, you keep it simple, lure them in, and well, then we start giving the hard-hitting, controversial takes. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll warm up. Um, no, so Magic Eden, uh, yeah, as everyone knows, we started on Solana. We we actually launched on Polygon in December, and the thesis for us is really around two things. One is that we can we can uh, we want to serve the gaming ecosystem really really well. And um, clearly, which we can get into as well, it's it's not like a one chain rules them all from a gaming standpoint. It's, it's clearly there's some fragmentation uh, uh, across the ecosystems, and there's some some good traction in terms of uh, Web three native games, but also like traditional game studios that have been 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 working with Polygon. Then the second thing is obviously you know an nft community needs a lot of different things one is you need some really crypto native web3 native creators like amazing ones like frank you also need experimentation from uh brands you know influencers whoever else that's in that ecosystem and that there's clearly some movement and traction that polygon is making around trying to sign up a lot of those guys and i think that us being a very very community centric and and grassroots uh nft platform um, we saw a pretty cool opportunity to work with like many, many sides of the market. And that's what got us excited to, to go to Polygon in December. So we launched then we've been doing a lot, um, a lot of like, uh, uh, a lot of that focus has been on Launchpad and, and obviously our marketplace, which is sort of tied in together. It's like we help launch projects and then they obviously are available for trading on Magic Eden. And we have like a massive uh, March coming up in the theme of general March madness. For those of you that are in the US, we have... I think like 17 launches lined up in, in March. So it's going to be a huge, a huge one. So we're working with guys like, like Frank and the D God team. And there's many others in the ecosystem that I think are feeling pretty bullish and um, yeah, we're pumped. It's, it's a fun place. Honestly, it's a, it's a very different vibe, which we can get into as well. Some of the differences that we've noticed between some of the different NFT ecosystems. 
Yeah, that's definitely a line of uh, questioning that I have is what is the specific culture that has arisen on, on Polygon? But before we get there, we got to, of course, talk to, to Stani. Stani, I'm sure that you're connected to all of the layer twos in the space. And so I'm sure every single layer two would have loved to have hosted Lens. Uh, what about the architecture or design choices or relationships with the Polygon team made the Polygon network specifically the right network for, for Lens? Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, um... We've, we started to build uh, originally on the um, Ethereum community and, and we, we feel that we, we're kind of like a heavily part of uh, uh, that community. And, and that's also where uh, Polygon has its roots as well. So very early upon, um, uh, Polygon was the network where, you know, a lot of the uh, bandwidth from uh, Ethereum was, was uh, actually happening um, and spe specifically uh, Polygon had uh, the gaming community very early, so that was um, happening before the NFT boom. So there is sort of NFT activity before we we saw the uh, NFT summer, uh, and and obviously something that is very valuable for uh, a social layer like uh, Lens is that you know you you're able to do a lot of transactioning, um, and one is that. Um, uh, the way uh, Polygon is constructed today, uh, it allows that um, capacity to transact on a, on a lower transactioning uh, cost. Uh, but more importantly, what, what is valuable is that uh, the team and the ecosystem has this kind of like a bigger vision of how actually the scalability will happen. Um, and, and you can go beyond what, what is the limits of today that, that Polygon um, has. And also, I, I like the the, uh, the the blue color uh, as well. So my <laughs> my first car, car was uh, uh, blue colored. So you know that's something that tries attention as well for me. Wait, isn't Polygon purple? Purple. Well, I'm a bit colorblind though. So I think it's, for, <laughs> for me, it's a, for me, it's kind of like a, uh, a like very dark blue. Hmm. Hmm. It's yeah. uh, definitely purple. It's definitely purple. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe maybe your first car was purple too, though. So that's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. What's the difference? Clip that, clip that. Purple is just a cooler version of blue anyway. Um, yeah. Well, guys, I, I have kind of a follow-up question. And, and Z, yours is enticing. It's just like, let the spice flow a little bit here. So, so maybe we'll uh, unleash the spice flow gates here. So um, both, both you, Frank, and you, Z, uh, migrated from, or not fully migrated, you're still on Solana, but um, also chose to expand into Polygon as kind of uh, the next chain. Could you guys do a quick compare and contrast for us? Um, you know, crypto is so like tribal about things. And so um, people are, are mad no matter what chain you, you choose, right? So if you stand in Solana, you're going to piss off people. If you, if you move to something else, you're going to piss off. You're always going to make people mad. That's what, you know, happens in crypto. Um, but you guys have both been in the belly of the beast now in both of these ecosystems, in both these communities. I'm sure you have identified strengths and weaknesses, differences across the two. Let's start with you, Frank. So what's the difference between Solana and, and Polygon from a culture perspective? Like, what are some of the things that you've noticed? Yeah, definitely getting into the spicier stuff now. So, I mean, for, for me, I'm still like a huge fan of Solana. And I think that... Uh, I think in the long term, Solana is going to find its core killer gaps. And like, obviously, Magic Eden was the biggest killer gap, you know, thus far, so far on, on uh, Solana. But there's going to be more DeFi, etc. I think that 
when I think about it at a very high level, it's just the difference between like EVM and non-EVM chains. And I think like what you see, there's a lot of entourage effects with being on an EVM chain that, you know, be grow, growing up and building our project on Solana, we just never got that benefit. Um, so I think that that's the core difference. I'll, I'll say this, like where the Polygon ecosystem feels today is just a lot less built out, honestly, than where Solana is at because Solana has been forced to just like rebuild everything that existed on ETH in terms of a lot of infrastructure from the early days. And there was a lot of opportunity in the early days to like launch something like, you know, Magic Eden obviously came out of nowhere and has become one of the biggest marketplaces in the world. Even with D-Gods, when we first launched, you know, there wasn't like a lot of Solana NFT activity and now it's a vibrant ecosystem. So I think the biggest trade-offs at a high level are just Polygon feels a lot earlier today in terms of the community and uh, culture side of the PFP ecosystem where Solana has definitely gotten its own brand. And I think on Solana projects focus more around utility, more around like builders has definitely been been the main narrative where I think on ETH it's more brand and culture. And I think that's just where we honestly fit in more towards. And I think, yeah, it's just th th that's where I would start off with. So Z. Frank, yeah. oh, go you, for it. Before, you, before you go, so um, why did you guys decide to move again? So I remember at the, at the time there were stories like this kind of breaking that Polygon paid Ute's collection $3 million to leave Solana. I don't know if that's true. Is is it kind of like a, a you know a money type play? Is that is that part of it? Or I I had, didn't really follow yeah. this when it came out. But can you give us some context? For yeah, that? let's do it. Um, so the best way to put it is, I think at the time when we made the announcement of migrating D Gods and Utes combined, we're doing which is our two collections. We're doing about uh forty to fifty percent of all the trading volume on Solana, like for NFTs generally. And wow. right now, the market cap of like D Gods and Utes is almost bigger than the rest of the Solana NFT ecosystem like combined. And so we were just hitting a little bit, and this has been hotly debated uh, on Twitter, but I, I think a lot of people, including myself, believe we were hitting a little bit of a ceiling on Solana in terms of growth. Where I mean, even right now on Solana, DGods is by market cap, I think the number four biggest uh, PFP project in the world. Uh, that's come either on ETH or Sol. And so we just thought we, were, we felt a little bit like we were capped and we we're big experimenters and we're like uh, our one of our core mottos with the community is it's FIWB, which stands for fuck it, we ball. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it was one of these things where we were getting offers, honestly, from a lot of chains post FTX uh, to migrate. There wasn't like a single blockchain that didn't send us something or was wasn't interested in like Utes and our potential migration. Polygon was definitely not the largest number that we were offered. But again, like that's not the core reasoning behind the decision. There's a lot of entourage effects and a lot of, you know, brand equity that Polygon has spent a lot of time working hard to build. And uh, that's what the ultimate decision maker was. But I'm all about transparency. And so I think we're like the first team to actually like announce like, yeah, this is how much we got in our grant. I didn't really care at the time. I still don't care if people know the behind the scenes or the financials behind it. But the honest answer was every blockchain was offering us just, something and we well, went yeah, with Well, yeah, so give us that yeah. inside baseball. So is that you guys have a super popular <clears throat> NFT collection. Yeah. And that's really what happens is other chains want to go compete for for you to deploy in their, their platform, their ecosystem. This is pretty common, it sounds like. Yeah, and I'm like obviously biased where I think it's a, a the deal of a lifetime, honestly, for Polygon. And uh, I think it would have been a great deal for anyone because I think it's really hard to get a, like an initial spark of a strong community, B, like really strong IP that's crypto native to launch on your chain. Like I think every chain is pretty good with 
getting like big web two brands to a certain degree. Obviously, Polygon's crushing. Solana's had some big deals. AVAX, BNB, they've all BNB had Cristiano Ronaldo. So I think the harder thing is to actually get crypto native projects that are much more in line with what the community is looking for today, as opposed to future, you know, to future looking. And so, yeah, I think that that's definitely the inside baseball. There is that there is a lot of those conversations that happen uh, constantly. And I think the thing that people be surprised on is I do believe we are one of the biggest, if not the biggest official like Polygon grant. And people have this perception that Polygon's out here strictly pay to play. The reality is, and whether people like it or not, Polygon has gotten so many brands under their umbrella now their pitch is actually really easy and they're not shelling out a lot of money because if you're like a big web two brand, do you want to go on another chain or do you want to go on the chain that meta Nike, you know, all these other massive brands are already on. It makes their pitch a lot easier. And so, yeah, like that's, this is one thing that everyone, even competitors kind of, you know, say about Polygon is their business development just absolutely crushes it. And so I guess this can be thought of as a marketing business development expense, but what's your take on the same question Z? So give us a contrast between Solana and Polygon. Yeah. So the first thing I'll say, uh, I'll make two like more macro points. One macro point number one, I think is that this kind of thing, like what Frank is talking about and what DGODs did, this will become much more normalized over a period of time. And it sort of takes obviously some some guts and some balls to do it as transparently as they did. So I think they, you know, credit where credit is is due there. And right, I think so you're talking about grants a, to attract projects is common. Is or just move, even just like whether it's grants or some other incentive or, or even no incentives, just to move and do things on different chains. That's hard. That's like objectively just like a hard thing to do. So it's not a not the easy path actually. I think it's easier to actually stay on Solana and just be the king, right? That's the easy path. Um, so that's like the first point. I think um, this will become more normalized over time. And I think it, it's cool to see. And it's funny because I was sort of laughing earlier about the us being in the 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 belly of the belly of the beast. Like I feel like Frank and us, there's no one else that has been in that more than <laughs> than us over the last like six to six to nine months. Um the second macro point I was gonna make was that um the a lot of the really interesting things to point out about the Solana ecosystem today is, is that it reminds me a lot actually of, of 2018 on ETH. So as you guys know, I was at DYDX at the time. I was, you know, a second employee at DYDX, massively into the DeFi ecosystem. And at the time it was like, it really, that year for me created a, it was a tribalism that created, that was really, really good for the ETH ecosystem. It was actually amazing for it. And long-term that was one of the best things that happened. I really feel like that's happening and has happened in the last three, four months after all of the really negative events that happened on Solana. So the thing, the statements around like being long-term really bullish on Sol, but also wanting to do things on different chains in the short term, those two things can definitely coexist. And we absolutely feel that way. Like, you know, we've, we've done over $3 billion in, in, in trading volume on Magic Eden on Solana, right? And we still have a, big stable of creators that are wanting to launch things all the time on Solana. So that's, that's like not going to go away, but kind of to Frank's point, it's like, there's a separate set of opportunities that uh, Polygon is trying to make themselves known for. And whether that's brands, whether that's whatever, whatever, they invest a lot of time and effort being a BD engine to sign those deals. And ultimately the bet that that they're trying to make, it's, it's almost like a different go to market as a chain. The bet they're trying to make is that, they want all these brands to coexist. And then eventually that ecosystem becomes rich enough that rich, not in the monetary sense, but rich from a cultural sense that everyone wants to do some shit together. And 
That's a bet. Whether that actually plays out, we don't know yet. But that's the bet that I think, you know, Frank is making, the bet that we make in terms of we want to have a play there too. Um, and as a marketplace, the role that we have is more being the connector of all those dots, <clears throat> right? So if there is a brand that wants to do something, they should do it with Magic Eden because they, we can help them get connected with someone that's Web3 native that knows how to be successful in this space or vice versa, right? If a Web3 native brand wants to do something with a big <clears throat> traditional brand, that can also happen through a lot of the connections that we have and the dots that we can connect. So um, I feel like culturally, that's just a just to set the, set the scene a little bit for everyone. In terms of like day-to-day uh, sort of things that are interesting and that we've noticed, Solana obviously has more of a trading culture, I would say. Like, it, oh, really? I mean, the roots of like it. More, more yeah, of like the, a degen culture, would you say? Degen trading culture, really? for sure. Okay. Oh, hardcore. Yeah. Hardcore. Hardcore. Because the fees are so low, right? And so what happens is there's the spread of like a few dollars. It's like a meme, right? Like people will undercut by 10 cents, 15 cents because you can. And uh, so it just makes it a much more... Yeah, like people are just down to speculate and talk about these projects all the time. I think the other thing that's really great about Solana is it's a very, and you guys will appreciate this because I'm definitely more on the content creation. I'm pa- really passionate about content creation. I, I I believe a lot of the value in crypto, especially NFTs, literally just come from Twitter and like Discord. And like, if you think about it, what would these collections be valued today if there was no Twitter, if there was no Discord, probably closer to zero than anything. And so Solana has had a very strong content creator uh, ecosystem that is actually like really hard to bootstrap. And one of the biggest challenges Polygon has, you know, going forward, where we have this thing called DGen News, where this guy is just like live tweeting, like reality show style tweets about stuff that's beef between random Solana NFT influencers. And, you know, people can follow a few accounts and be constantly spewed 24 seven content around specifically what's happening on Solana. And I think obviously ETH NFTs have this certain parts of DeFi have this, but it's pretty rare to see across crypto where it's a self-sustaining. Is, is Solana like the TikTok of like, you know, of, of crypto? Is it like just moves faster, attracts this kind of gen Z? Hey, I will say, I definitely, definitely think it moves faster. I definitely think it moves faster. <laughs> like yeah. all the stuff that we're seeing now with like open scene blur, yeah. Matt, that played out three months ago on Solana. Yeah. We've seen this movie. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We've yeah. seen we, this we, almost like, five, five months scene, ago. Yeah. How did it play out on Solana? I see. Uh, so, 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 so the att- 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 attention span on TikTok is 15 seconds and, and Solana is 7 seconds roughly, right? <laughs> and, and honestly, it's a, it's a feature. No, it's 100% oh, okay. a feature. It's a feature, because, it's a feature because for sure. I'm obviously like, I'm, so I'm 23 right now. I'm like definitely a Zoomer. And that's what also attracted us to Solana early days. It's just, it's just that the bar is so high for no fucking reason. Like, like everyone's spending like $5, $10 on a mint or whatever, but their bar is as if this thing is like, you know, the next coming of Jesus. And so that just makes it a very cutthroat, like intense environment where if you're not delivering something on a day-to-day basis, if you're not showing up every day, you are just like getting lost in this overall content, like whirlwind, which is why honestly, like we, we locked in on doing like Twitter spaces because if there's what, like 10,000, 15,000 daily active traders on Solana or just in NFTs broadly, um, and, and we're doing Twitter spaces that are pulling 500 people, 1,000 people, you know, that's almost like 3% of the entire like ecosystem. And so when you extrapolate that out to just all the different types of content that's being made, it kind of like is nice. The, the whole meme of Solana early days, especially, is that you go to Solana for engagement because 
because it's so fast and everything is happening so quickly, you have people that are way more engaged on a day-to-day basis, way more engaged on every random GM post or every random thing that's happening. And I honestly think that even mainnet ETH doesn't have this as much where, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of wait for the big official announcements, but you're not following a lot of these creators on the day-to-day, which is where I think the puck is going, by the way. And this is why I think what Z said about Solana being early is very accurate because you look at the projects and NFTs today that are popping off, even on mainnet ETH, you have Jack Butcher, obviously. And you also like this other project, Kid Call Beast, And a lot of these projects that are new that are actually outperforming the rest of the market are very clearly high engagement, constantly things are happening, community is constantly engaged. So this is where the puck is going because in a bear market when everything is consolidating, I think everyone has a hard time figuring out what's going to be relevant in the next year, in the next two years. A lot of the narratives that we saw in the bull market are just like collapsing in front of our eyes. And so day-to-day engagement is becoming, I think, a lot more important of a metric with NFTs because otherwise, if you don't have that, you're not going to be relevant. And not being relevant means no bids. No bids means the floor keeps going down. The floor keeps going down and people get more angry. And uh, that is the death cycle now in 2023 for a lot of a lot of projects. This is a really interesting perspective and actually not the conversation I, I thought we'd be having uh, so far in, into the show. Uh, Frank and Z, since both of your projects now span both chains, uh, I want to get a little bit more, di- dive into that perspective a, a little bit more. The way that you guys are describing this, uh, and maybe this is my Ethereum bias, but it's like Solana is your bootstrapping ground, as in you get tested on Solana, you find user acquisition on Solana, but as soon as you have meaningful adoption and sticking power, you graduate to Ethereum, or at least to an Ethereum layer two, perhaps like Polygon. And that seems to be what both uh, Magic Eden and D-Gods have done, is that they bootstrapped on Solana. And then with, once they had sufficient uh, network effects and, and sufficient brand of the in of their its own right, it found that it could actually also uh, latch on to the Ethereum ecosystem as well because it had grown to that size on on Polygon. Is that a fair description of of like the trajectory? Yeah, I can I can I can start. I think that's probably a little too too much of a utilitarian kind of view. For us, we we kind of think about it more like uh, we want to serve it's like we're a product driven company. So we want to serve different use cases and the use case that we obviously served on Solana and got, became very successful as a result was really focused on like, yes, this sort of PFP use case, a little bit of gaming, but it's this like high velocity content, like economy, like, I don't know how to really articulate it super, super well, but that's really what it feels like. And I think, just to tie a bow on the previous point, um, I really do think that this is anecdotal, but I really feel that actually the users on Solana are also younger mm. than what we see on EVM. And that that maybe also marries well with why some of those points that we are making around like attention, speed, all this kind of stuff rings true. Um, anyway, that, that's just to tie a bow on the previous point. But the way we think about it is use cases. So on when we think about going to Polygon, for example, that was a very intentional thing. Like we knew that the NFT ecosystem there was small. Like everyone knows that. If you look at the data, it, it's, it's obvious, right? It's objectively much smaller than Solana. And it's objectively not, it doesn't have an organic um, NFT creator sort of ecosystem yet. But you go there because you believe that the way that they are putting the, the pieces together, that there's something probably will end up happening there. And that use case there is going to look a little bit different, whether it's gaming just like, you know, for example, the, of the 17 mints that we're doing in March, 
a bunch of those are actually free mints. And that's like a, you know, the free mint meta for gaming and, and even for NFTs in general is starting to uh, take forth a little bit more. Um, and then the second thing I would say is that because of uh, different technological gaps or reasons, because of different needs that creators have or goals that they have, they will decide where, like they will they will have a view or they should have a view. They will form a view on whether it makes sense to launch on which chain. Over time, that will again become more normalized where it's like, maybe I'll just do some shit on every chain or I will, you know, maybe marry to one. I, I, I don't know if we'll really at that point yet, but because of that decision, then as a marketplace, we obviously want to work and serve as many creators as possible, right? So if creators are basically making those choices, then we want to absolutely be there to serve them. And, and the products will 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 look different. The vanilla, like, you know, icon, marketplace, that kind of thing, that is not, that's not the end state here. I think a lot of these creators will need different things and we should build the things that serve them. So that's sort of how we see it rather than like a, a graduation uh thing yeah, yeah. I, that, that's what i was thinking in what you guys were describing there davis like uh, what they're describing is not so much a graduation but just like different sort of medium and culture it, it's sort of the way if we're thinking about it in the content world the way we think of like a try doing a long form two-hour podcast on tiktok with vitalik buterin right like that shit's not gonna work no no one cares what you have to do is like i don't know 30 seconds some sort of highly mimetic, you know, Vitalik dancing back and forth, like TikTok style content. And so you have to sort of adapt your project and what you're doing for kind of the culture and the network and what it rewards. And you could probably repurpose, like we can repurpose bankless content into like a TikTok form or a Twitter form. It's the same message throughout it, but the medium and the expression is, it's much different from network to network. That was, that's kind of an unlock from what I'm hearing from, from Frank and Z about these different chains and, and where they, um, where they um, shine. And it sounds like Polygon is really shining in this ability to kind of bring together all of these like web two brands. You know, you have like Nike, you have Meta, you have like, you know, Instagram there. And it's just sort of this meeting place. And that's what you guys are saying is like, oh, these are the early blocks forming. You can kind of see how this ecosystem will differentiate itself. Um, I think something that, that I've noticed when I look at, um, the NFT ecosystem and, and also kind of the um, the activity that is happening on on um, across the lens applications because you see a lot of NFTs being minted um, in the the protocol itself, but it's it's basically a distribution channel to to share um, NFT projects that um, the users are interested in. Is that like you you cannot see that all these brands that are on Polygon they somehow create this uh, symbiosis of um, brand value to, to to that to the new brands as well so it's it, it's actually quite interesting to see it's, it's kind of like looking into you know a uh, if, you, if you go to a street where you have a lot of uh, designer brands and your designer brand is next to some of these brands it, it basically elevates so and not just like elevates but um, it, it really ties the value uh, together. So for me, it makes quite a lot of sense is that uh, if you want to capture that value, getting all these different brands that are excited about Web3 and also the projects that are Web3 uh, native and getting them into the same place, that really is, is, a, is something that creates some sort of a, a new traction. 
Sony, since we're talking about multi-chain conversations, uh, was there ever any sort of analysis about um, Lens on something like Arbitrum Nova? Uh, I don't think Arbitrum Nova was out by the time Lens Lens had, had come around, but was really the for for Lens specifically Polygon the only game in town at the time of deployment? Yeah, yeah. So, so at that time, even Layer Two, so even Arbitrum Optimism weren't uh, there. Uh, at, at that point, and and when we we're deploying on on the um, testnet already, it was like layer twos were, were very early, and the infrastructure is quite you know quite novel. You know many of the layer twos they still they're pretty centralized. You know there's one sequencer. Um, the interesting part about something like the tree social is that uh, you might need less less of the security that you will need in decentralized finance, for example. Um, but but at the same time, like we had to choose something where uh, you have a bit more of the scalability that uh, you would have, for example, using Ethereum. Um, and the the way the protocol works is that um, it has this exciting infrastructure that is on chain, um, and then an infrastructure that is off chain. And and based on whatever you're building in Web3 Social, uh, you're picking different kinds of pieces. And the more heavily you're relying to um, on the own chain transactions, you're kind of like um, you're you're bound by whatever uh, is the security and, and block space of a particular network. So Polygon in that sense made made a lot of sense, um, but also kind of like the, the, the vision that uh, we're now in the in the situation where there is this uh, proof of stake network and um, you have everyone pretty much minting in the same place. I mean, we have a lot of uh, issues at the moment because there's. A lot of traction uh, on Lens, and at the same time, there might be something else happening on Polygon. From times that it can be like Reddit NFT minting happening, um, but the, the bigger vision is that uh, from there you actually go and and scale into uh, supernets, and and you kind of ha have more dedicated bandwidth for uh, your project. So that is something that's going to be interesting uh, to see down the line, and. Actually, the, the the lower transaction fee is it's really affects into the audiences and how the actual audiences are built because you know if you mint NFTs on um, mainnet and that's where you know a lot of the activity happened during the uh, NFT summer and, and before that uh, being able to mint and even um, transact you know that has a cost so being able to do that on a lower level um, and having also this compatibility so. Polygon effectively, it's not only about NFTs. There's also gaming, and you know, Avagachi is is a big part of the uh, uh, Polygon community. And, and and being able to benefit with the whole infrastructure is is very fascinating. So I, I think Polygon is just like so progressed, and and the branding kind of like a play is is like a the latest ad that's that's been happening over the past year. Or so so that's definitely something that is. Uh, value add uh, as well. Stani, you just mentioned supernets. I just want to get a quick definition from you on that. What is, what is a supernet? I'm looking at a page here. Is this um, on Polygon? Yeah. So supernet is, um, I could say it's a layer three in some ways. So if, if you think about it that way. So Polygon is a proof of stake network uh, with certain amount of uh, validators. And that validator amount uh, uh, reflects the cost that will be to operate on that network. And Supernet is uh, another network on top of the uh, Polygon network that you can have 
um, for your project, for example. Cool. And you can use validators from the actual proof of stake network and, and have your own validators as well. So that's the, the kind of interesting part. And when you have a supernet, you can also decide that um, you can use a ZK prover, for example, to prove actually your state of the supernet uh, periodically um, on top of uh, on, onto Ethereum. So, like sometimes we're, we're kind of like segregating quite a lot. Um, you know what's happening in Polygon, uh, Ethereum, but actually you can use a lot of this infrastructure uh, together. And supernet is one of the examples where you can have more uh, transactioning. Um, on a supernet, you can use the proof of stake validators, so the actual uh, Polygon uh, network, but then you can take your supernet state um, and 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 uh, deposit it to the Ethereum periodically to have additional uh, security. So everything can be actually like combined in some some levels, depending on the the use case you you have. Yeah, this is a uh, pretty similar to a lot of the, the other narratives out of the layer two space. Like zk sync has their fractal scaling. Optimism has their super chain. I didn't actually know that Polygon was playing in this ecosystem, but it kind of seems inevitable that all layer twos move into this design design that, case. So that's now, what Avax is doing too, right? With uh, their subnet with uh, subnets. Yeah, but subnets yeah. subnets aren't aren't. It's not shared security. The security parameters aren't the same. No, it's different. Boom. But yes, never mind. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sonia, I got a, I got a question for you about just the community that's arrived inside of Lens specifically. Uh, Lens, I kind of, in my mind, I picture as like its own kind of contained environment inside of Polygon, as in when you go to Polygon to do Lens stuff, there's, there's like a boundary around like the Lens community versus the rest of Polygon, just in the nature of Lens is this big social organization. And then, and then you have the, like the rest of Polygon, but I'm wondering if, if that's even the rest, the right like perspective to even take here. Like what, what is the Lens community and how much does it overlap with the Polygon community? So for example, like, are there people talking about Magic Eden or D gods on Lens and just like overall, how, what is the conversation like and how, much polygon focal how much of a polygon focal point is there yeah so short answer is uh there is definitely a lot of uh talking discussions so uh what the data shows is that and how lens protocol was actually um uh initiated on on mainnet is that we started to list um a lot of the um uh nft communities and DAOs and DAO members that could actually get a early access to meet their lens profiles um, and also developers and periodically whoever asked for a lens profile um, and they they had that eagerness to, to, to test the protocol we, we basically minted um, them profiles so you have based on the data and that's the beautiful thing about web3 is that all this data that is computable it's public right um, so you have a lot of people from from the ethereum community or um, they're in, in, in the Polygon community and, and they're uh, participating in different kinds of NFT activity, DeFi activity, and, and also uh, DAO uh, voting as well. But there's also a lot of new addresses that just are excited about uh, what we're building and, and you know they want to uh, use uh, Web3 social deadline, especially what is happening now in, in, in the traditional uh, social, social media space. Uh, the particular thing is that uh, the users in Lens, uh, they're pretty much talking about uh, everything, but like most of the conversations are actually around uh, Web3. So that might be different kinds of NFT projects. They might be sharing uh, Magic Eden links or uh, 
um, uh, their NFTs uh, and, and, and people are talking about them or if they find something. So it's kind of a way to discover things. So you can, obviously you can, whenever you post on Lens, uh, you can make that content actually as collectible as well and it will actually show in Magic Eden and the profiles are tokenized as NFTs as well. And Magic Eden has actually done a lot of great work of showing the the your latest uh, uh, profile picture in that inside of the NFT, which is very uh, cool. But effectively, the, the way we see it is that with with Lens, you basically own your uh, online profile and and the connections you make, um, and then that's basically your distribution channel to your audience. So if I find something interesting, I, I can basically share it on on Lens and amplify uh, my engagement. For example, if I have a NFT mint happening somewhere or I want to share the NFTs that I might have uh, to to my audience and, and across the whole um, uh, lens protocol. So it's a, it's a kind of like an early community of of Web three native uh, users, and we're quite quite happy about it. So we weren't actually targeting that you know lens is going to be something where uh, everyone's going to migrate from Twitter uh, and and Instagram, and and it's going to be like the holy grail solution of everything uh, for uh, like future of online presence. In fact, our goal is to basically just focus on uh, how we get all the uh, Web3 projects and audiences into Lens uh, and use it as a base uh, Web3 social layer. And then as the, as the infrastructure scales, uh, we can actually open up for larger uh, audiences. So as we move into the, the second half of the show, I've asked each of you from each of the respective projects to bring some numbers and some metrics to really flex about how awesome each respective project is. Uh, because I, we, because after that, we want to talk about the future. Uh, Stani hinted at some early stages of composability between Lens and Magic Eden. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other other projects that have more stitching together to do it as this polygon ecosystem expands. But really, I want to see, uh, pick your guys' brains as to the future state of polygon and what you guys see on the horizon there, along with all these hot numbers that we're going to talk about right after we get to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. And Bankless Nation, we are back and we're going to start off the second half of this conversation talking about some metrics and some numbers. Uh, and so right before uh, I kind of blindsided uh, our guests here, right before we recording the show, I asked each of our guests to to do some research on as to, as to their own project, the numbers and metrics to flex about the current health of their own ecosystem. So Frank, I'm going to start with you, D-Gods. Well, show us some of the numbers. What are the best numbers that you can give us in terms of the vitality of your community? I don't have a uh, screen share stuff, but I could share because uh, I've following this stuff all day. So I think right now, D-Gods, in terms of 10K pro and NFT projects, is number four in the world, right behind Azuki and then CryptoPunks and then Bored Apes. Um, and so, yeah, that's been pretty sick to see the growth there and uh, doing that, that also. Is that in terms of like volume or market cap? value, market cap, like floor yeah. price kind of? Okay. Yeah, floor price, you know, the basic market cap, I think is yeah. like two. It's either average sale times uh, total number and or uh floor price i think on both those metrics right now we're top five for sure How and then big is that uh like 130 mil market cap wow for yeah. jpegs yeah for jpegs yeah <laughs> that's exactly be used it. to this by now ryan <laughs> yeah uh no it's a it, 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 you know super proud and i think i've been very open from day one it's kind of one of the things that's rallied our community so for context for people that are new uh to d gods and, and utes I remember when we first minted D Gods, we were one of the more hyped projects on Solana, but that followed a five month period of everyone kind of shitting on us 
and labeling DGods a dead project. And, you know, we were kind of like, there was no trading volume, super low, like floor, all this stuff. And the whole time I was rallying the community and saying, hey, like we're figuring things out right now. We're fucking around. We're finding out. And uh, we're going to try to become the number one project on Solana. And at this time, we were like number 100 or something like that. And, uh, you know, within the next two months, DGods grew so quickly. And we ended up becoming number one and have kind of held that spot for the last year plus now. And so it's been like a big rallying cry for our community. Like we just want to shoot for the top. And so we want to be the biggest NFT projects in the world. And everyone that's in DGods and youth today knows that that's the goal. And um, yeah, it's been pretty incredible to watch that growth happen with DGods. Utes, on the other hand, I believe right now is in the top 10 for anything over uh, 10K supply. So there's 15,000 Utes. And yeah, I think the thought process here, and this is coming back to the whole numbers and and the decision behind Polygon specifically is, hey, like when we launched Utes, we were already really big on Solana. Uh, and and it's now the number two project on Solana right behind DGods and both of the markets caps of those projects make up almost the rest of the Solana market combined. And so we wanted to give Utes a chance to shine on its own and become like the quote unquote, you know, top dog of the, its own ecosystem. And so that's kind of the goal with uh, Polygon. And we just want to help other builders launch on, on Polygon outside of just Utes itself so that there can be a more vibrant ecosystem. And that's how I think about the Polygon if I'm being the most degen person on this uh, panel right now and just being very real, I, I just think that Polygon is extremely early and everyone loves being really early in crypto because uh, it, that means that there's a lot of opportunity. And so when I think about the Polygon ecosystem, I think that there's a lot that they can learn, steal and borrow from, from all the good stuff that's happened over the last year and uh, start to grow out that infrastructure really quickly. And we just hope to be one of the main catalysts uh, towards that happening. And so, yeah, that's kind of where our projects are at right now. Uh, you guys are, you know, if you're going to be listening to this in uh, 2024 or end of 2023, it, it, maybe our predictions have come through and uh, DGods is the number one project in the world. And uh, Utes is also very high up there. So just, uh, I like to manifest it into reality. Uh, people in the audience that are listening, you, you heard it here first. So if you just piqued a, a listener, if that was the case, uh, what is the roadmap that they should be excited about with the DGods project? And if that also piques them, where would they go to to learn more? Yeah, I think a lot of this stuff, this is like a strategic thing, and I'm pretty open about how we think strategically. I think it just makes more sense to release a lot of information post-migration, because like right now... Mm -hmm. Everyone is kind of just waiting for the migration, which is happening around Q1, uh, end of Q1. So why, why like blow our load metaphorically early here uh, and, and kind of like talk about it whenever there's going to be a lot more attention on it around the migration and then use that to kind of catapult more of the excitement, hype and momentum. Um, wow, that's just metaphorical, uh, Frank. Yeah, yeah definitely just <laughs> metaphorical. Uh, and that could mean a, a variety of things, you know, could mean a gun in a chamber, obviously like that's... <laughs> What I was uh, referring to, so no, I, I, I'm very also open about how important to me it is to build hype and excitement around projects because I think that that often gets a bad rap. And I've been on the front lines saying like, "Hey, look, people are mad that D Gods is doing so well. People are mad that YouTube doing so well. They're like, oh, what have you guys built?'" And I'm like, "I think you guys are just looking at the game of NFTs wrong." And one of my more famous tweets was, "I said, you know, NFT MFers always talking about utility, and then it was like a picture of a." infomercial purse that has like a touch screen on it and it's like got all these kind of utilities to them but it just looks super cheap compared to like a simple louis vuitton bag it's just like oh it's just a white background it's just a louis vuitton bag <laughs> and it's like nft mfers would probably pick the the purse with the touch screen on it because they're not understanding that 
so much of this space is driven driven by you know what people value for themselves. And so our job as NFT projects is to make people proud to be a part of the community. And so when I think about D-Gods and I think about Utes, I think every holder is proud to be a D-God holder, proud to be a Utes holder. And that actually scales so much more than any nascent utility could possibly uh, scale. And you've seen this at the top layer with obviously the biggest projects in the space, Sport Apes, uh, you know, CryptoPunks, Azuki. And so, yeah, that's kind of our thesis as well. And we just have a much more degenerate, like viral content tilt where we always talk about breaking the internet. And so um, for me, when I think about the Polygon move to wrap it all up in a bow, uh, I just think it gives us more uh, vectors where we can go extremely viral and uh, have everybody in the ecosystem talking about us uh, constantly. And that's the game plan is just build a lot of content and do things that make our holders proud of uh, being in the community and watch the results of that. Turning the, simple. Turning the conversation to Z and, and Magic Eden. Z, what, what are the numbers or metrics that you look at in order to understand the vitality and health of the, uh, the Magic Eden ecosystem? And what are those numbers? Yeah, for sure. I just want to say though, on the man, it brought me back a lot of memories when you popped out that video on on the D Gods website. Just like paper hands, bitch tax tax feels like a long time ago. <laughs> Unbelievable! It's crazy, actually insane. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy, bro. It's crazy. Uh, okay, so magic eating stuff. There's a few stats that I think are pretty interesting. One is um, we recently did a bunch of analysis around our creator business. So as you, as everyone knows, like we spend a lot of our time thinking about how to make products and services and experiences that help creators either get started with NFTs or make them more successful once they, once they decide to launch something. Um, that's sort of grounded all of our decision-making around how we do discovery on Magic Eden. So you'll see like the carousels, you'll see like announcements. Those are announcements that creators can make directly on Magic Eden. So you can see that that's why I'm like really bullish on some of the stuff that Stani was talking about around like different ways that social can play out. This is one of those ways where a creator can immediately make an announcement around something that is very, very uh, specific, knowing that the audience on Magic Eden is very, very engaged, right? They, they are already on Magic Eden on the collection page thinking about some stuff. Um, but one of the things that we were looking into was, hey, like how did creators do on Magic Eden in the last 12 months? And a couple of really amazing stats. One is they made around 250 million on Magic Eden last year. Um, and the second thing- What does that mean? Really that 200, that $250 million flowed into the hands of creators exactly. due to the art that they created like on- they Exactly. Yep, exactly. Wow. Yep. That's a lot. That's huge. That's a, not small. It's huge. Yeah. So like, I think people, some people don't really realize how big the Solana NFT ecosystem actually is. It's by far the second biggest, by far. Um, and obviously there's still a step change to get to ETH, but it's 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 uh, it stands on its own feet. Um, the second really interesting stat, and this is one that's been more topical for us recently as we've been, you know, as part of us going to Polygon, we've been talking to more and more like web two platforms who are thinking about, Hey, how do we use magic Eden or NFTs as a, as another channel or another, another way to engage our community, whether that's, whether you're a brand or if you're a, a different kind of creator, whether you're an artist, whether you're an influencer and uh, I'll, I'll keep it unnamed. You know, one of the really big Web two social media platforms has a goal that's like, "Hey, we need our creators to make like a thousand bucks a month, right?" That's that's an aspirational goal. <clears throat> the average creator on Magic Eden last year who launched our launchpad, and our launchpad is basically like more of a 
premium sort of, uh, we partnered with creators and helped them launch on Magic Eden. We did about 400 of them last year. And the average creator made uh, over $300,000. Damn. Damn. Pretty insane. That's average. It's insane. Average. Average. And that to me basically tells me it gets me really fired up because this is a creator should think about this as a as it should not be like a black and white like let me replace the things that i'm already doing but it should be another way to augment and amplify their existing content their existing ways of engaging their community and working and 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 keeping their community happy all this kind of stuff and i think nft nfts as a as a fundamental concept is like a really good way to do that um so that's like one of the really cool things that, that we're trying to push on. The last stat I'll tell you, I mentioned the, the $3 billion stat before. <clears throat> the last stat I'll tell you is more of a, a product thing because as I said, we're like a very, very product-driven company. Um, but the average um, session time on Magic Eden is 15 minutes. Hmm. So you like our users come and spend a lot of time just discovering new content. And um, that that I think is a really big testament to Number one, the sheer amount of content that's being created currently on Solana and hopefully what we see on, on Polygon and on and on, on ETH on Magic Eden in the future. <clears throat> but secondly, it says a lot about like what people are fundamentally trying to do. They're trying to discover new communities and they're doing their diligence and they're they're trying to learn about what Frank is doing and what others are doing. And that's a that kind of browsing and discovery is going to become even more important over time. And um, whether that's through like specific features, but also through, um, you know, if we go to places like Polygon and have to tell like different stories, different narratives, work with different creators, like these are all just different and new things that we will have to build and have to be built into a marketplace, right? And that's why I think in the over the long term, um, there will be some sort of verticalization of some marketplaces, but in general, I think people will want places where you can discover a lot of things and that, you know, if we are successful, it's sort of like, we want to be the home, we want to be the home of NFTs in that sense. That's the aspiration that we have. So anyway, I'll, uh, I'll stop shilling, but <laughs> that's basically some, some high level stats. Z, before we get to Stania on uh, lens, just real quick, want to ask both you guys. So um, for you, Frank and, and you Z, um, Ethereum clear number one as far as NFTs. Solana, you're saying, is actually a clear number two as far as NFT community. Do you think Polygon is the number three? And is your presence there like sort of king making Polygon as maybe the number three community? Or do you think that number three title is, is kind of up for grabs this year? Yeah, I think uh, for me, I definitely think it's a pretty clear number three. I mean, I think uh, as whatever people might feel about it, I remember when the Trump NFTs came out and I watched uh, them do, I think it was like six or seven million dollars trading volume on the first day. And I was on like Polygon. And uh, I think they're almost at like all time highs even today. Can I find There's... those on uh, Magic Eden here? Yeah, are they on Magic Eden, sir? This is it. No, no, no. That's not no, it. It's not... a different one. Oh. If you go to the, go to that toggle, that old chains toggle. Yeah, hit Polly, and then you'll you should you should see the Trump one. Here they yeah, are. Trump, Trump digital, digital trading, trading cards. There baby. you go. <laughs> yeah, there no, go. it's a yeah, yeah, so yeah. This is some quality stuff though. Yeah, so I think when I saw them mint out at the time, it was like a hundred dollars, which at that time would have been I think eight eight soul, 
which is a pretty high mint price typically for I think a really high mint price, you know, on Solana. And they did a 45,000 supply and then they minted that thing out in like a few hours and then it, it proceeded to do like top trading volume of that week. Um, and it still gets traction today. So I think similar with the Reddit NFT stuff where again, they've like unlocked a part of a market that, uh, frankly, nobody else, not even main that has unlocked to a certain degree. And so that's where we think the advantages are. And if I'm being totally honest here, I just think that ETH MFers are going to uh, love Polygon once there are more projects on there uh, for them to trade. Because, you know, I'm friends with a lot of people at this point in the NFT space, and especially on the DGEN side, like people are doing DGEN mints even to this day on ETH. And it's just a little too cost prohibitive to a point where, you know, a lot of them have a much more likelihood of trending to zero, have less of a crazy run up where I think in a low fee environment, you could see that change. Uh, so yeah, but, I just but think it's going to be a no brainer for, thing, though, it's going to be a no brainer. Yeah. With like, with Ethereum though, with EVM chains, there's so many right now and there's so many up and coming, uh, layer twos now. So unlike, unlike kind of Solana with, you know, the Solana virtual machine, it's kind of just Solana is the only game in town, but with EVM, it's, it's fairly simple to go from chain to chain to chain. Do you, do you think there's enough of a moat, um, with all this competition coming after Polygon? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that the moat is actually like to me the moat is just good ip on the chain uh like i look at it actually closer to hbo versus netflix where you know someone might sign up for hbo because they're a big fan of game of thrones or they might sign up for apple tv because they want to watch ted lasso and i think that at least i mean we are like the prime case study of this where you'll hear the story very often of d gods or utes being the only solana nft that like certain people that trade very often on eth it's the only one that they hold it's like the reason that they bridged over like capital and I think we've seen this firsthand. A lot of people in our community, we've talked to them a lot about that. And so like the reason that you try out a new chain is not because of the technology of the chain, but it's actually because of the projects that are on that on that so chain. Content is still king. Like I just, It's always we, king. We, I mean, we, like I'm I'm so deep on this thesis where like all that really matters to me at the end of the day is like, are we putting out more content and is that content getting more reach than anybody else? And I think everyone has the wrong approach. A lot of people have the wrong approach to it today where they're trying to like branch out and go for this mythical like mainstream audience. Where to me, I think that the highest value audience is the people that care about crypto NFTs today. And if you give them an incredible experience and you give them content that they can follow 24-7 and constantly be entertained with, it'll continue to grow concentrically. And the best example of this is most people that buy NFTs, if you talk to them and you ask them, especially higher ticket NFTs, what made you buy it? They'll say something along the lines of, a trusted influencer talked about it. A friend told me about it. You know, we were talking about this at work. Like it's usually actually more interpersonal connections than it is like at the Super Bowl or from a massive drip email campaign. It's actually personal connections that drive people to make real purchase decisions when it comes to NFTs. So if you really want to grow smart when it comes to NFTs, our whole approach has been referral based, like word of mouth type of marketing, because that drives real metrics and real numbers. And I think that's the same approach that we're taking with Polygon where how do we get more high quality? You can't take shortcuts. How do we just get more high quality projects on Polygon if there are more that have constantly new things that are coming out that are exciting for people to follow? More of the attention will get shifted and diverted over to Polygon. And there's nothing a blockchain with their technology can do to change the fact that people just want to be a part of cool communities. And that's what has product market fit with NFTs right now. I don't even think I need to ask my next question because this dovetails so nicely into Stani and, and what Lens is doing with when it comes to just content and conversation in a Web3 fashion. So so like Stani, the, the high level question is, 
tell us about the vitality of lens, but really I want to hear about like the conversation, like uh, what Frank was saying when it comes to, like content is king and how it's routing a bunch of value uh, using conversations, using community members, talking about stuff. How is this activity uh, arriving on lens and what are the metrics that you can show us uh, to tell us about how, how uh, much vitality that community has? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree that that it's it's quite a lot about the 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 actual content and and distribution. So yeah, content. Uh, uh, I would say like um, the content is is uh, is is the king, but also the like the the curation is the layer that is is very very much that actually um, makes some of the NFT projects um, more valuable. What we heard recently as well. So for example, that where. Where you can actually hear about different projects, you know, one one way is to you know be in different Discord groups or group to Twitter or Telegram groups. But something that is very interesting about Lens is that um, you can actually incentivize also the, the sharing of the the content. So uh, Lens uh, as a social layer, it also has a monetization layer. So, for example, how people are sharing. Um, content, for example, uh, and incentivizing other people to share and amplify that content to, to your audience. I mean, in general, the, the Lens protocol, it's still uh, at beta. So we've, uh, we, we, we don't have it as, as completely open and, and permissionless minting yet, but we're going towards that direction as we're now building the uh, Lens version two. But out of uh, 110,000 um, uh, profiles, uh, that has been given and granted and minted. Uh, uh, roughly, we have uh, average users of uh, thirty-five thousand uh, per day, which is quite a high number uh, of users coming back to Lens and and just uh, talking about different things, uh, different projects, NFT uh, communities, and and just sharing uh, content. And also, like when we look at in, in into the uh, different numbers, uh, currently on average. Uh, profile is is earning uh, roughly seventy five um, dollars uh, per profile in terms of revenue for just sharing that content, and I, I think that's very exciting in the sense that if you compare it to uh, traditional social media, um, you really don't get anything. Like you, you might have like five million views and you earn five dollars uh, uh, at maximum. So. The, the the curation I think is going to be very valuable part. So like who who are those influencers? How they're curated, but also seeing the transparency, like how people are getting actually uh, paid when they share content and distribute to their audiences. And if you see all that activity also on chain, um, it's very valuable for the users because it brings sort of uh, transparency and accountability. So if someone shares a project to you and and uh, you see uh, effectively that you know there's that's content amplification that might be paid, but you might be seeing it because it's valuable for uh, you and you value that particular uh, influencer, for example. So, I'm I'm personally super bullish on um, seeing a lot of uh, NFT stuff happening on 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 Lens, uh, and also like down the roadmap, um, what we're trying to also figure out is that you know if you um, create content on directly on Lens, how you could actually mint it directly in, in Magic Eden or whatever protocol you want to actually use um, outside of Lens and, and have that kind of like a composability uh, there as well. 
so so definitely like it's very early uh but at the same time i i feel that that's uh, that, that lens protocol has created this kind of a layer of uh sharing and curating content to a web3 na native audience uh, and the discussions are very web3 native uh, as well so kind of going back to the point what frank said that it's like it really doesn't make sense now to reach to the whole world at, at this point but actually focusing like how you can how how you can master the audience of web3 native users and, and give them the best experience that they could have Stani, if somebody wants to uh, go down the lens rabbit hole, where do they find that rabbit hole? Where should they get started? So currently, if you want to mint a lens profile, just hit me a uh, DM uh, on Twitter um, or through Discord, and and I can help you out, uh, and you can mint your first lens profile. Because lens has like a terrible bot problem, right? Like everyone's trying to get their bots onto lens because they're trying to farm a, a an airdrop, right? Is that kind of the idea? Well, basically, in terms of the bot, so the lens protocol itself is is pure raw, raw data. But actually, mm -hmm. how you see that um, activity on your uh, front end, it depends on the front ends and the algorithms uh, in between. So, for example, um, you have the ability as a front end to minimize what you actually see, and and that can be actually reduced. But end of the day, like we want to. Uh, focus on the idea that uh, Lens should be permissionless in the future and it's available to anyone so you can uh, mint a profile but once you're mint once you minted your profile you can actually attach any of those uh, identity pieces that you might have that might be uh, your uh, Lens handle that might be your ENS name uh, that might be some other piece of identity that is actually creates a social reputation it can be also your on-chain balance sheet um at the same time and based on that and and your activity um and reputation score we can actually uh create a reach uh for you as a user so effectively what's going to be different compared to lens uh and the tra traditional social media is that it's basically accessible to anyone uh you can create a profile and have ownership of your online presence follow other uh profiles and users but end of the day, it's your activities that that actually reflects how your content reaches out the all the contents out there. Guys, this has been really cool. Uh, what a great panel, and uh, I appreciated your insights today. I guess um, my takeaway is um, we're still kind of finding that content is king. The the cool uh, set of tools around Web three and crypto is that means uh, creators can be king rather than the aggregators, the Web2 aggregators. So we've got content as king, creators being king. It seems like Polygon is this new platform for the creator economy. Um, super bullish. It's this place where it seems like social media is meeting crypto culture is meeting Web2, Web and that's why it sounds like all of you are there. So thank you, panelists, for giving us uh, some inside baseball into the NFT community on Polygon. The third largest community, maybe there's a flipping in store. Maybe they come after Ethereum's throne at some point. Who knows? <laughs> The future is up to uh, to all of us in the community. And thank you, panelists, for enjoy, uh, joining this discussion today. Let's Everyone go. just gave the, thumb, gave the thumbs up. <laughs> Bankless Nation, as always. I got to tell you, risks and disclaimers. NFTs are freaking risky. They're just JPEGs, aren't they, Frank? But uh, Precisely. Kind of valuable sometimes, too. Uh, of course, all of crypto is risky, so is DeFi. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. And we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.